0: Inspired.
1: We love God. We ought to be
2: able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the
3: latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's
4: fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And good morning to you. This is Adrian Fonseca, your host. Today is Friday, May 5th. It's Cinco de Mayo. I forgot to wear my poncho. It is uh, the Feast of Pope St. Pius V. Pope St. Pius V, whose feast day is today, was a champion of the Catholic faith and defender of Christendom. He ruled the church during the 16th century when the Knights of the Order of St. John of Jerusalem, also known as the Knights Hospitaller, were stationed in Malta, a strategic position in the Mediterranean against the Muslim forces. As the Ottoman Empire prepared to attack the island, the Pope wrote to King Philip II of Spain, addressing him as, our most dear son in Christ, Philip II, Catholic King, and urging him to assist the Knights of Malta. The Pope's letter shows his respect for and trust in the king's Catholic faith, as well as his recognition of the importance of the temporal power in defending the church. In addressing the king of Spain as his son, St. Pius V, exemplified the close relationship between the church and the temporal rulers in those times, he believed that the Catholic faith in Christendom itself were threatened by the Ottoman Empire and that all Catholics should come to the aid of those defending Malta. St. Pius V's letter to King Philip II shows the practical application of his faith as well as his deep concern for the welfare of the Church in all of Christendom. He remains a model for Catholics and political leaders alike, reminding us of the importance of defending the faith and of unity between the church and the temporal sphere. Pope St. Pius V, pray for us. Good morning to you. I hope you're having a blessed Cinco de Mayo. It is a great holiday, I would always say. Um, though I forgot I was going to wear my poncho this morning, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. I woke up a little late this morning, and I was like rushing to get dressed. And I was like, oh no, i got to get dressed. And I ran around trying to grab my clothes, and I completely forgot to grab my poncho to a sad day to be completely honest. I'm I'm in tears. So hopefully that uh that solution will be rectified <laughs> when I make it home uh later today. Uh-huh. But I hope you're having a blessed Cinco de Mayo nonetheless. And you know, I just love the feast of Pope St. Pius V. Pope St. Pius Pius the Fifth is one of my favorite popes, and if I ever became Pope, i would take the name Pope St. Pius V, or I would take the name Pope <laughs> Pius V. <laughs> The second, because I just love Pius V so much. Uh, But good morning to you, Tito Edwards.
1: Good morning, Adrian. Happy feast day of Pope St. Pius V and a blessed uh, Cinco de Mayo. No poncho, no sombrero, but uh, having some uh, Mexican food later today myself. Thank you very much.
4: Very good, very good. I'm trying to, you know what? Hmm... I was supposed to grab lunch with a friend of mine today. There you go. And we were trying to figure out what to eat because, you know, it's Friday, so no meat. Quesadillas. And, and so I was thinking, we were talking, we were like, okay, what should we get? He's like, ah, uh, maybe we just will get appetizers. But now that you mention it, it's Cinco de Mayo, Mexican food, could do bean and cheese tacos, oh. could do quesadillas. Um, fish tacos. Quesadillas. Ugh, fish tacos. Ugh. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, quesadillas, I just, I think about that right now. It's like, that's like the Mexican version of grilled cheese sandwich.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's so true.
4: So there you go. There you go. Very funny to me. I think, uh, so then maybe that's what I'll do. I think we we may, I may t- send him a text after the show and tell him, Hey, let's go, uh, let's go secret mile, this thing with walk um, on top. Just don't get, don't know Modelo today though, because that's the an anheuser Bush exactly. product. Exactly. Yeah, so oh, avoid I Modelo. Modelo. I know. I know. So avoid Modelo. Uh, get a get a different Mexican beer today um, because we're trying to stay away from Inheiser Bush. Yes. Okay. So today we have a lot going on this morning at fifteen past the hour. Kiss Star backtracks on a good take. Uh, so that's. Basically, the reason why I didn't want we to talk about this story before, cause I was like, yeah, I don't really trust celebrities. At 30 past the hour, Mr. Rex with the, with the American Defense for Tradition, Family and Property is gonna join us to talk about SatanCon in Boston, what really went down. It was kinda funny, they, uh, plastered his face on all of the articles, so I was like, hey, you wanna come on and talk about it? He was like, uh, well, there would be other members who'd be better to talk to, and they were like, "Oh Mr. Rex, you should talk to Mr. Rex and so finally he was he was like, "All right, oh, come on, yes. so there you go in the next hour, Dave Palmer is going to join us we're going to be talking about Blaise Pascal. Have you ever heard of Blaise Pascal, a very, very interesting man, a very very French man actually um, who was a who is very well we'll save it we'll save it for the next hour I won't give you any spoilers." And then, of course, as always, we have our Fear and Trembling Game Show with a prize from Catholic Answers. So if you want to win that prize, be able to tune in in the second hour and be the first caller because we're giving out the prize today. So make sure you're tuned in. A lot going on. And also, speaking of a lot going on, join our email list because today we're sending out an email with all unique content, some content that you've never seen before, plus... Starting on Pentecost, we are starting a new catechism series where we're going to go through the St. Robert Bellarmine Catechism. St. Robert Bellarmine, a doctor of the church, wrote his own catechism. Very short. It's only roughly, because it's hard to estimate how many pages, because it's about 200 pages, but the text is really, really big. So it's probably closer to like 150 pages-ish. And I cannot recommend it enough so I uh, we're going to go through that together as a CDT community. So if you want to do that then you can hop on our email list there. I'm going to give you all the details of how to sign up for our catechism series. It's going to be live so you'll be able to ask questions, interact uh live if you join us. So make sure you're on our email list. A lot going on in our email list, so make sure you're tuned in there. Uh so all of this, so much to get to. Let's begin in prayer as is our custom. And we're going to be praying for your intentions. Whatever it is you have going on in your life, we'll be praying for those intentions. I'm praying for my friend, families, and my benefactors. I'm praying for all of your friends, family, and benefactors as well. And in a special way, I got a text from my buddy uh, Sean this morning. He is in Europe. He's sending me pictures and videos of all these amazingly beautiful pictures in europe and i want to say that uh, please pray for my buddy sean and his newlywed wife tiffany Pham. sean and tiffany fam on their honeymoon in italy so that's pretty amazing they're traveling italy this uh for the next week and i think that's pretty awesome so say a prayer for my buddies uh, if you would this week uh, but let's begin in prayer in the name of the father and the son and the holy ghost amen we're praying the Subtuum presidium an ancient prayer to our lady Subtuum presidium confugimus, sancta Dei genitrix, nostres deprecaciones ne despicias in necessitatibus, sera periculis quintis, libra no semper virgo glorioso et benedicta. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Despise not our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards.
1: Thank you, Adrian. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Friday, May 5th in the year of our Lord, 2023, and these are your headlines. CatholicCulture.org is reporting Georgetown opens first-of-its-kind mosque on a U.S. college campus. The Jesuit University recently opened Yaro Mahmoud Masjid which it described as the first mosque with ablution stations, a spirituality and formation hall, and a halal kitchen on a U.S. college campus. The university also has Muslim prayer, prayer rooms at its law school and medical school. Oh, my, my take on this is, why not? Catholic News Agency is reporting, In five years, the church in Nicaragua has suffered more than 500 attacks, 90 in 2023 alone. A report details the attacks by the dictatorship include unjustly in sentencing Bishop Rolando Alvarez to 26 years and four months in prison, expelling 32 religious from the country, confiscating seven church-owned buildings, and shutting down various media. Zenit is reporting Vatican answers the Ukraine and Russia they know about the peace mission, says the Vatican Secretary of State. It is said that he was surprised by the reactions of Ukraine and Russia to the announcement of the peace mission. And finally, Breitbart News is reporting as many as 700,000 migrants, a foreign population larger than Boston. Massachusetts are currently in Mexico waiting to rush the U.S.-Mexico border when President Joe Biden enters a public health authority known as Title 42 on May 11th. Those were your headlines this morning. God bless you all.
4: The Gospel of the Day comes from John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Do not let your heart be distressed. As you have faith in God, have faith in me. There are many dwelling places in my Father's house. Otherwise, should I have said to you, I am going away to prepare a home for you? And though I do go away to prepare you a home, I am coming back. And then I will take you to myself, that you too may be where I am. And now you know where it is I am going, and you know the way there. Thomas said to him, But Lord, we do not know where thou art going. How are we to know the way there? Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am truth and life. Nobody come to the Father except through me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This is very interesting. There's uh, two things I want to note here. Here, are the, the basically the the first verse and in the last verse here. But let's start with the last verse here. Jesus said to them, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me." A very Very controversial statement in our times. People would like to say, well, anybody can be saved. Oh, well, anybody of goodwill can be saved. Anybody can go to heaven. There are many ways to heaven. There are many truths. There's your truth, my truth. Oh, yes, you can receive eternal life in many different ways, either being a Jew, being a Muslim, being a Protestant, being a pagan, being an atheist. All these things are just different ways to the same end. Well, that's what you say. What does our Lord say? Well, let's take a look. Our Lord says here, I am the way. He doesn't say I am a way. I am the way, meaning the only way. I am not a way. I am the way. I am the way. I am the truth and the life. I am not a truth or one truth amongst many. I'm not one life. I'm one life amongst many. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He then says, nobody can come to the Father except through me. Does he say, well, most people can come to the Father except through me? He said, well, some people can come to the Father except through me. No, he says, nobody, not one person can come to the Father except through me. A very hard saying, yet this is what our Lord taught. Now, a second point to make here is going back to the beginning of this verse. It talks about the, the houses here. Now it's very interesting because what is listed as a seems like a diversity of places Now, this could be a scandal to some people because the people will say things like, "Oh well, everybody's equal in heaven." This is not the case. There are many mansions in heaven, there is not one mansion with many rooms. instead, there are many mansions. It goes on, he says here, which omit the words, that see, there are many mansions in my father's house. If it were not so, I would tell you <clears throat> plainly, nor would I deceive you with vain hope that I'm going to prepare a place for you. As though he said, since I so greatly love you that I'm going away for from you for the sake of preparing a place for you, how should I suffer you to be deceived in so great a manner? To prepare a place is to come into possession of heaven, which until that time had been closed to men. When I ascend, the heavens shall be open to you, and according as it is said, lift your gates, ye princes, and the king of glory shall come. Now, referring to kings always refers to a hierarchy. So just as there is a hierarchy here on earth, well, nowadays we kind of have destroyed a lot of hierarchy, but nonetheless, there is hierarchy even in heaven. There will be hierarchy. He, Cornelius Lapide says, moreover, the expression many intimates that there are in heaven various degrees and ranks of blessedness and glory. As it were said to each saint shall be his own place in heaven to each his own beatitude, his own glory in accordance with the merits of each. So the father against Jovinian, who thought that are as all virtues are equal. So likewise would be all rewards in heaven. This is an error because there is not equality. We are not egalitarians. There is inequality in heaven. Yes, everyone will be saved that's in heaven. Yes, everybody will be completely happy in heaven, but there will be more and higher ranks. For instance, our lady will be queen of heaven and earth. Me, if I make it, I'm going to be all the way in the bottom scrubbing the floors. We'll be right back with more after this.
3: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Have you ever thought, well, why can't a prayer at a Catholic mass cause the Holy Spirit to come upon the bread and wine and thus turn it into the actual body and blood of Jesus? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, remember, three of the most magnificent miracles were a result of the Holy Spirit coming upon someone or something such as the Holy Spirit came upon the face of the deep and God created the world. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she brought forth Jesus in her womb. Secondly, a boatload of scriptural support such as first corinthians 10 16 which says the cup of blessing which we bless is it not a participation in the blood of christ and thirdly my honest reflection your transformation after a prayer for conversion was not and is not noticeable in the human eye so then why do you reject a prayer which transforms bread and wine into jesus body and blood i know the reason just a whole bunch of people have told you that
4: Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and happy Cinco de Mayo to you. Praise be to God. I hope you're going to have a blessed day. Eat some Mexican food and uh, don't drink Modelo. You can have Dos Equis. I think Dos Equis is not in Heiser Bush. Um, I don't know in the other Mexican beers that may be. Tecate is definitely not in Heiser Bush. Pacifico. Pacifico is in Heiser Bush. <gasps> yeah. No. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I know it. I oh. know it. That's rough. I know. <laughs> yeah, <it is. laughs> I know. I, I love Modelo. Me too. And you know what else is? Uh, never mind. We're not going to go into the whole Anheuser-Busch <laughs> topic. But nonetheless, uh, Mexican uh, beer. Uh, avoid the Anheuser-Busch ones. Get some other ones. It'll be a good time. Cinco de Mayo. Not a huge Mexican holiday, but it's fun. Any excuse to go get Mexican food, right? So. Yes. The, well, a couple stories I thought were very interesting. Was this story uh, reported uh, by a lot of people, but I'm reading it right now from uh, the Daily Wire. It says here, Kiss star Paul Stanley reverses course after taking stand against performing trans surgery on kids. Now, I saw this story come out a few days ago, and everybody was talking about it. They're like, oh, isn't it great? A Kiss star comes out, and he supports uh, rational things like not transing kids. And I saw the story, and I was like... Three things. One, who's – I don't even – I have no idea anything about Kiss. I only know them because they – I've seen – I think they made a, a joke about Kiss on Fairly All Parents when I was, like, in elementary school, and that's the only context I have of that. So I literally don't know anything about them, so I was like, I uh, don't care. And then the second thing, <laughs> I saw them, and um, I was like, is any, is there, are they relevant anymore? Does anybody even know who these people are? And the third thing is do not put your trust in Prince's. Every single time we get a celebrity who says something uh, slightly to the right of center, every single time we get stabbed in the back, every single time. Because most of these people, unless they have a complete conversion of heart, unless they convert to the Catholic faith and whole and entire, and usually that corresponds with leaving all of their materialism behind, they always betray us. They always betray us because these people desire to be loved by the culture and by the world. So when they receive the backlash that's inevitably going to come, they cannot withstand it, which I understand because I, I mean, I've received a lot of hate mail and a lot of uh, uh, very vicious things said to me. And if I didn't have uh, friends and family who backed me, if I didn't have the Catholic faith to to recognize and I can look at and be like, I'm not the crazy one. You people are the crazy ones. I have two thousand years of history and tradition telling me I'm right, and I have a hundred people who are complaining on the internet trying to tell me I'm wrong. I think I'm going to go with uh, two thousand years of history. But if you're a secularist and you see this kind of backlash, well, pff, how are you going to how are you going to react? You're always going to cave. So he came out and he said something very, very. It's really not that big of a deal. And here's the other thing. There's another reason why I didn't cover it because. It's not that impressive for somebody to come out and say, hey, I don't think that we should be trying to chop off the perfectly good limbs of kids. Okay, I know. I know radical position, but I just don't think we should uh, surgically mutilate children. And everybody's like, wow, wow, he's so cool. Um, That's really it's come on. That's like basic, basic necessity for people to hold. It's like if someone came out and said, hey, guys, controversial opinion. Personally, I, I don't know about you. Personally, I think murder is wrong. I'm just sure. saying. Thank you. Thank you. So I think that's, a, well, that's the other reason why I didn't really bring it up. But then he comes out and he says, uh, there is a big difference between teaching acceptance and normalizing and even encouraging participation in a lifestyle that confuses young children into questioning their sexual identification as though some sort of game and then parents, in some cases, allow it. He wrote in a statement under the title, My Thoughts on What I'm Seeing. There are individuals who, as adults, may decide reassignment surgery is their needed choice, but turning this into a game or parents normalizing it as some sort of natural alternative or believing that because a little boy likes to play dress-up in his sister's clothes or a girl in his brother's, we should let the, lead them steps further down a path that's far from the innocence of what they were doing. With many children who have no real sense of sexuality or sexual experience caught up in the fun of using pronouns and saying what they identify as, some adults mistakenly confuse teaching acceptance with normalizing and encouraging a situation that has been a struggle for those truly affected and have turned it into a sad and dangerous fad. He concludes. Now this it's funny because he's he's basically given up everything. He's basically given up everything by saying. Oh, yeah, well, there are people who are really having these real issues. And some people are just – this is just a fad for some people. Like, no, transgenderism is not real. Nobody is actually transgender. Nobody can be – you can't be a man who is a woman. No, one, no woman can be a man. It's just not a thing. There's no real situation. There's not real trans people and fake trans people. That doesn't exist. It's not a category of being. So I think it's very interesting – it's yeah. worthy of comments, like being gay that's it's not an identity, well, there you go, folks. so the other thing I want to talk about, trying to shift over to something more positive, something on a much on a much more um, i want to say maybe not hopeful is the right word, but just a more positive note. My professor, Dr. Theodore Rebard, is retiring from the University of St. Thomas. And it's sad news uh, because the University of St. Thomas in Houston is uh, losing a great gem at the university. But it's good news in the sense that I'm, I'm glad he's able to retire. He served uh, the the school in a, for a very long time in a very well way. And he uh, they wrote an article about him, um, interviewing him, talking about him. And, and I wanted to read that to you because I thought this was really great stuff. So the headline is... Celebrating the illustrious Dr. Ted Rebard. If you could pick three words to describe the soon-to-retire associate professor of philosophy, Ted Rebard, they would be mentor, humble, and dapper. And I could not agree more. I think those are great words to describe him. Me, a mentor, Dr. Rebard says. For 33 years, Rebard taught undergraduate philosophy courses at all levels, from freshman to 4,000 level, with countless students passing through his classroom since 1990. His joy for teaching never waned. Student testimonials count him as one of their favorite professors who significantly influenced their lives. He was their mentor. And I have to admit, myself, I would uh, also agree with this statement because it was probably Dr. Rebard and Sister Teresa Marie were probably the most impactful professors that I've had at the University of St. Thomas. And to see Dr. Rebard go is really sad to me because I mean, here's another here's another great gem. Dr. Rebard, uh, you know Gabriel Castillo, he credits Dr. Rebard with putting him on the path that he's on. Uh, he gave him a rosary, and he took him, he taught him how to pray at adoration, and it, it's what put Gabe on the path that he's on now, creating his YouTube channel, Gabby After Hours, that now reaches hundreds of thousands of people. I think that's an amazing uh, credit to Dr. Rebard, and there are many, many such cases. Now, he says here, The self-effacing Rebard, unaware of his impact on his students, points to lessons he got from mentors of his own. When it comes to his success at teaching students to think deeply and contemplate an ethical life he offers, there are maybe two sayings and a piece of advice I tell my students. He says, unto what end? I learned this from Father James Shaw. In other words, always ask about the ultimate purpose of your actions. And I cannot tell you how useful this has been in my life. Unto what end? That is so important because you look at stories in the news. You look at what people are saying in your life. You look at actions people are taking because you think actions are more important than words. And you say, unto what end? Why are they doing this? What is the ultimate goal of them doing this? Now, unto what end is really in response as a philosophical point trying to say what is the ultimate purpose of a thing of something that exists because it's it's more of a metaphysical thing, but I believe it applies not just to the metaphysical, but also to the concrete. I think that's very important. So then his other point here is, so what? And I love this. I love this. We'll bring up something. He's like, so what? And I'm like, okay, well, there we go. He says, that is what is the real life impact of any question or idea? It is likely unimportant if the question or idea Has no such impact. He said, "I learned this from Dr. Peter Kreeft, so he actually studied under Dr. Peter Kreeft, and I think that's brilliant as well because you sometimes we ask questions that are just pointless, right? So if we can ask, so what, and if we can come up with a reason, well then maybe that mean does have a reason. Not something doesn't need to be ivory tower and useless. It could be ivory tower and useful." It's not necessarily the fact that just because something is intellectual or philosophical or theological that it's unimportant. So that's important to know as well. The last bit of advice he includes here is I like to remind students that they have only two duties in life, to know what is true and to do what is truly good. And I think that is excellent, absolutely 100%, to know what is true and to do what is truly good. He says, love of, uh, the article says, love of being nobody. Even humble, Rebard seems surprised that he has mentored others. As to impact as a mentor, that is my impact on students, I remain mostly clueless, Rebard says. I hope that one important thing is to focus on testifying to what is true and what is truly good while staying in the background. Personally. Personally. About 15 years ago, Father Daniel Collum gave a talk on the Feast of Our Lady Guadalupe in which he mentioned San Juan Diego as having the gift of being a nobody. St. Philip Neri's motto was love to be unknown. Brian Caro, chair of philosophy and director of the Center for Thomistic Studies, sums up Rebard's successful teaching career this way, which is so true. Every time I tell him about another person who tells me how uh, they've been changed by Dr. Rebard, they, uh, he's always like, oh, I had no idea. And he he just doesn't know. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. He goes on here. The first ever recipient of the Saint Thomas Aquinas Award for Teaching Excellence, Dr. Rebard exemplifies for all of us the orientation of genuine education toward the good of the human person. Dr. Brian Carl, associate professor and chair of philosophy. Uh, the Center for Thomistic Studies says, Dr. Rebart is beloved by our students, many of whom have sought every opportunity to study with him in his final semester through independent studies, including myself. All of us are deeply grateful for Dr. Rebart's life of devotion to truth in his career of exemplary work for the good of our students. Honoring the family tradition, run into Rebart on campus and you notice the stylish hat perched on his head and his natty appearance in an old fashioned way. No jeans, shorts, tennis shoes, or T-shirts for this professor. Not surprisingly, this third-generation Californian who grew up in Los Angeles in an urban area comes from a line of haberdashers and tailors. My paternal grandfather was a haberdasher. My maternal grandfather was a bespoke tailor. Rebart offers, my dad and mom passed on their lessons, and I tried to dress in a way my grandfather would approve. And this, too, is something that I think is very important because... He's the, one of the reasons why I started dressing in a more appropriate way, is because of his uh, demonstration, his example. To conclude, he concludes with a story here. He says, I plan to stay in Houston and continue learning. There is a story about Pablo Casales that I love. Casales lived in a very long life. And one day, when he was in his 90s, while he was in his studio playing the cello, someone walked in and said, Señor Casales, everyone knows that you are the greatest cellist in the world. Why are you practicing? He looked up and said, I think I'm getting better. Okay, I'm not even in a major league for excellence, but I know I can get better. Amen, amen. So say a prayer for my professor, Dr. Rebard. I'm so grateful for him. I have a be saying a prayer for him. We'll be right back with SatanCon coming up next.
3: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family and thirdly the rosary dynamics here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary you first invoke the three persons of the blessed trinity then onto praying the apostles creed then you will pray in our father then you will recite the angel gabriel's words to mary then you'll recite what mary said to elizabeth and then you will relive john the baptist being filled with the holy spirit in the womb then you will ask for mary's assistance in your life and i'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry Hi, this is Dr. David Anders from EWTN's Call to Communion. I believe that the ministry of Catholic Radio is one of the greatest tools we have in the church for evangelism today. I hear from people all over the world on a daily basis who have encountered Christ in the Catholic Church for the first time by listening to Catholic Radio.
6: Please support the ministry of Catholic Radio today. Support Guadalupe Radio Network.
1: Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Friday, May 5th, 2023 in the year of our Lord. And these are your headlines for this morning. Catholic News Agency is reporting a federal judge in Pennsylvania has ruled that the Satanic Temple must be allowed to hold its after-school Satan Club in a public middle school in Pennsylvania's Soson Valley School District. The Satanic Temple, which, according to its website, denies the existence of God and Satan, is a political activist group known for protesting religious symbolism in public spaces and mocking Christianity by offering many anti-Christian things. Catholic News Agency is reporting the EU Parliament criticized for displaying of vulgar depictions of Jesus and the Apostles. An art exhibit at the European Union's parliament building in Brussels, Belgium has prompted criticism from conservative politicians in Italy for its display of a blasphemous depiction of Jesus Christ and the apostles. Liveside is reporting France looks to crack down on porn sites that don't verify your age. Porn companies have been complaining that age verification, lawsuits and government action have had a chilling effect on their ability to make a living, which is great news. Better late than never, LifeSite reports, as the catastrophic harms of our society-wide experiment in ubiquitous digital porn becomes clear, governments are finally, slowly taking action. It isn't enough. Not by a long shot, but it is something and maybe, just maybe, the herd is beginning to move. And finally, LifeSite is reporting the U.S. Navy is facing backlash for enlisting a drag queen activist as a digital ambassador. During a six-month Navy digital ambassador program, the branch reportedly allowed a drag queen TikTok influencer, who's also an active-duty sailor, to promote his sexualized hobby in an effort to attract new recruits. The report comes as the military struggles to bring on new recruits as the majority of young Americans are unwilling to join and ill-equipped to pass basic entry requirements. I am Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens.
4: Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. Uh, joining us right now is Mr. Rex Teodosio, a member of the American Defense for Tradition, Family, and Property, and the, uh, the headlining face of the, uh, the protests against the satanic uh, SatanCon conference. A uh, plastered his face all over the place. Uh, but good morning to you, Mr. Rex. Good morning, Adrian. How are you? I'm doing well. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. I hope you're doing well as well. Uh, I hope you're recovering from uh, all the craziness with uh, Satan Con. Uh, but let's start there. What exactly was happening in Boston that uh, kind of sparked this this kind of this outrage?
7: Well, months ago, we uh, received news that they were having a, a convention. So, we, you know, we've been following the uh, the. The activities of this, uh, this group, uh, that's promoting Satanism. Uh, so last year they had a, an event in Scottsdale, Arizona. So you were there. A few people helped organize it. I think Jessica Romero was talking about it and he was there as well. And then so, but this time they wanted a biggest or what the, they build as the biggest gathering of Satanists, um, in a convention. In the, they say in the United States or in the world, but um, you know whatever it may be. So we got a hold of that, and plus the uh, clearly they had intents of uh, of doing blasphemy, mm. performing blasphemy, unbaptism, and uh, they said it would be a night of blasphemy and sacrilege.
4: Wow, yeah, I can't get more explicit than than that. I mean, just telling you right out, that they are are intending to blaspheme and and to desecrate and commit sacrilege against the sacraments. I mean, these, this it's an evil, evil thing to do. And so the, so this happens, and y'all get together. Uh, what was the turnout like? I know that there was at initially a massively positive response from the faithful, but it seemed like the local ordinary kind of tamped down on that. And did y'all receive the amount of support that y'all were expecting, or what was the lookout in terms of that?
7: Yeah, unfortunately, the like you said uh, before, the uh, leading to the to, to that weekend of the protests against it, um, we had two hundred confirmations uh, from people who said that they would attend. You know, it was a lot of emails, um, and they were it was very promising. And then we realized uh, there was a sort of the a, uh, a movement to to discourage the protests and to. Be encouraged doing something else. Um, it's it's kind of similar to a few years back where you know you're protesting a movie called Da Vinci Code, um, and you know people said, well, don't do a protest, just do an other cot instead of a boycott, an other cot where you just go watch other movie. You know, so uh, we felt that this was not the proper response to a public sin, so um, so we went ahead and, and did our protest, but. It did discourage a lot of people. We know several uh, priests and seminarians, um, who, people who work at the diocese, who wanted to be at the protest, and they were specifically told not to go, even though it's, 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 it is a prayerful—it's uh, more of a prayerful rally, a peaceful and prayerful rally than an actual protest.
4: Hmm. Yeah, that—you it's you know, it's very concerning to me because— i i saw as well a lot of um catholic speakers a catholic commentators come out and say that oh yes we should definitely be praying for this uh, but don't go out there and protest because you're just going to give them attention now this is a uh, a fallacy and could you explain to me why it doesn't actually make sense to say that uh you're just giving them attention so don't even go out there oh uh,
7: uh, yes yeah, so, well it's a public sin so the uh the first, the first reason why it's, uh, it's the wrong reasoning is because that's only taking consideration publicity. It's all in a natural plane, you know. So our first concern when there is a public sin is not whether this looks good on on the newspaper or the media and social media. Our first concern should be: Does this offend God? And does he, does he, should are we required to offer public acts of reparation to? And that's the main thing. So we know we already know from our history with the um, with this group uh, satanic group that they are they frequently perform satanic black masses and they frequently um, mock the rosary. And they frequently even they've done a ceremony where they destroy the statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So when they say it's a weekend of blasphemy, we already know what's in their mind. You know, so it's not something that um, it's 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 a uh, theoretical or we don't know what they do. You know, we just, you know, but we are informed. We, we have been uh, confronting them for, I think uh, for the past almost eight years, nine years that, you know, since they've been, been become very active satanic uh, the after school Satan clubs, uh, the satanic black masses in, in, um, in Oklahoma and so on and so forth. Uh but so we already know what they they have in mind. so they know we know that they're going to perform blasphemies. Uh, so the first concern is God, you know so is mm-hmm. is God being offended? and are we obliged as 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 as, you know, as Catholics to us uh, baptize Christians to defend God because of our vows of baptism to to uh to renounce Satan and to you know to confront Satan. And also by the uh, confirmed by the sacrament of confirmation, so every Catholic is obliged to be there. Um, especially our 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 pastors, our shepherds, should have been there in person. Absolutely, you know? so I always I always uh you know marvel at the power of the bishop to be able to assign an exorcist in his diocese. An exorcist can confront uh, frequently will confront. Not just one possessed, you know, a devil possessing a person, but sometimes legions of devils, like thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of devils, you know, possessing a person. And the authority of the bishop grants them the power to fight against, you know, evil spirits like that. Imagine the the, uh, the bishop, instead of saying, okay, don't do anything, you know, at the venue, but, you know, what if he assigned, let's say, uh, one exorcist to be there you know, in offering acts of reparation and, you know, performing rites of exorcism against Satan is, but imagine a thousand exorcists that he assigns ad hoc. like, you know, the church needs to address this because my whole archdiocese is under threat from the attack of the devil because of this event. So let's summon the angels, let's summon exorcists, and let's confront them with prayers, but at the site, you know, but... um, Unfortunately, we didn't see that. So we, uh, but that's the first concern. It's like, does God need, are we obliged to offer acts of reparation to a public sin against God? And the answer is yes. Um, Absolutely. It's like, if you're, it's one thing, if someone offends your mother, uh, in secrecy, you know, they, they talk bad about her and then you, you don't have to, you know, go out and defend her in public, but, when your mother is offended publicly, they take out a newspaper ad, they, uh, they, they stand up in school and start, you know, saying that your mother's this, your mother's that, then you need to offer an act of reparation um, in order to repair the damage, the injury done to your mother's honor and dignity.
4: Absolutely. So
7: this Absolutely. Is That's
4: very, very important, I think, uh, for us to be able to stand up as Catholics and to defend our mother and our Lord as, uh, as knights errant, as vassals to our Lord and our Lady. It is our duty, not just uh, a responsibility, but our duty uh, to be able to defend our Lord and our Lady. When we come back, I want to ask, what happens at these protests? A lot of people are scared to go to them. They're like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Plus, we're going to talk about uh, what's happened with the, the Protestants that were there. Very interesting story when we come back. Hello,
3: this is Steve Gleason okay. with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. When you walk into your non-denominational church or your megachurch, church, what do you see? What stands out to you? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, observations in a Catholic church. You will notice at least eight items, all of which have religious, historical, or biblical significance. Secondly, what are those items? As soon as you walk in, the can't-miss, baptismal font, a stone altar, stained-glass windows, 14 stations of Christ's passion, statues, a gold tabernacle, a lit candle near the tabernacle, and a large crucifix. Thirdly, my take. So, what seems to fill your church and truly move you toward Jesus? Oh, I know you don't need a physical or superfluous objects to move you toward Jesus. He's everywhere and in your heart. And that is true. But tell that to Moses, David, and Solomon, who were under strict and exact directions from God on how to build his house and then fill it with his Shekinah glory. I mean, does a comfy chair, does a flashy fender guitar, does a well-fashioned stage move you toward contemplation and holiness? Remember, stages are for entertainment, but sanctuaries are for worship. Hey, Donnie,
5: what two important things do we receive when we go to Mass?
1: Scripture and the Eucharist.
5: Great job. You're so smart. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love,
4: and pass it on. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. And we're talking about the protests at SatanCon with Mr. Rex, with the American Society for Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP. We're talking about the protests. We, We just finished discussing why Catholics should go out and defend our Lord and Our Lady in the public sphere. But you know, a lot of people are scared to go to these things, or they kind of have this image that public protest means you're like the Westboro Baptist, and you're just going out there condemning people, screaming, and and saying, and just being a overall just a bad person. But this is not the case, Mr. Rex. What exactly went down uh, on y'all side of the of the aisle when in regards to the protest?
7: It is. It is essentially a rosary rally. So it's a, it's a rally where we we're not shouting at the satanists. We're not shouting at anybody. There we're not we're not you know being violent, but we are praying a rosary because that's you know you mentioned earlier. Our main concern is God. It's an act of reparation. So the the best act of reparation is to show God uh, publicly by praying to Him, giving Him honor publicly. By praising him publicly and his, his blessed mother. And so we sang Marian hymns, um, nothing better than, um, than, you know, to, in opposing the devil than to bring up the virgin that's, you know, prophesied to crush the head of the serpent. And so it was, uh, we would pray 15 decades of the rosary. We praise, uh, you know, other prayers, uh, to the Sacred Heart, uh, the litany of Loretto. Uh, we sang hymns, uh, supported by, led by the bagpipes and trumpets and brass and drums and cymbals. Um, and there's a lot of, we, we had also uh, um, uh, slogans that we would shout, you know, uh, to the street, uh, saying, for example, like, Satan never, God forever, uh, things like that, um, that the, Satan is the father of lies. So it's a very peaceful rally. Uh, so it's not, um, it's not, in a sense, confrontational or aggressive. And so the uh, people, one example, for example, the, one of the security uh, officers that were guarding one of the buildings uh, was there on Saturday and was witnessing what we were doing. And then he comes back on Sunday when it was raining and everything, and he joins us in the rosary rally on Sunday wow. because he felt like, you know, oh, this is really great. Uh, he saw the whole thing and he was praying with us this Saturday, but he couldn't be with us publicly because he was wearing his uniform uh, for his work. But Sunday, he he comes down and join us uh, officially. And there's just another lady. Um, she she's about 70 years old, and she she wanted to give a donation to uh, to help us, you know, to help anyone that could, that that didn't have money to come uh, to the to the Rosie rally, but she didn't want to be there personally. But then she saw the first pictures on Friday, and she thought, maybe this may not be that bad. And her friends kind of uh, egged her on. And then she came um, She came on Saturday, and she liked it so much. It, it wasn't like what she thought. And she said, you know, I never thought I could do this to do a public square rosary rally. But now that I'm seeing what this is all about, I can see how beautiful this is. Uh, you know, she realized that, first of all, our first concern is God. It's not about you know the the Satanists really, but you know offering an act of reparation to God, since we are bound by duty, as uh, as you know as, as faithful followers of Jesus Christ to do that. And so she said, from now on, I will I I will never hesitate in participating in these events again.
4: Amen, amen. So That's deep, wonderful, and I can old, publicly you know? attest. I mean, personally. I've been to many of these uh, rosary rallies, and I've even helped host a couple of them. And it is always incredibly peaceful. I have always been very impressed with the TFP, with their uh, demeanor, with the calmness, uh, with the confidence. um, Even in the face of very, very evil and wicked things being shouted, And it's always very peaceful, always praying the Holy Rosary. And we love to see the, the carrying of the statue of Our Lady of Fatima. Uh, All these different things, the Marian hymns, very, very beautiful, very, very peaceful, and very, it's, it's good because it also wins over a lot of people who are. Maybe mm-hmm. potentially hostile. You see the police there, and they're mm-hmm. immediately they look to the left and exactly. they see screaming, shouting, tearing of the Bible, spitting of the things, and they look to the right and they see a bunch of men in suits, a bunch of young ladies, and a bunch of older ladies are kneeling, praying the rosary, singing hymns, holding mm-hmm. a statue of Lady Fatima, exactly. and it's a huge contrast, wouldn't you think, Mister X?
7: Exactly, exactly. So we had we had young people there, we had old people there. Uh, we had some students uh, from our school, St. Louis, De Montfort Academy, uh, who played in the band. And uh, one boy uh, who lived in Maine, he saw the video of the, you know, of the uh, Rosie Rally on Friday, and he forced his mother and his friend to come to go down with him. So his mother says, okay, yeah, sure, we'll take a, a six, seven-hour drive to go there. And so as soon as he arrives, he jumps out of the car right in front of our rally. It's like, you know, with Rosie in hand already, and, uh, you know, excited to join us. But yeah, there's nothing, it's definitely not, we're not inciting a riot or anything. Absolutely. Actually, the only aggression that came from that weekend, uh, it wasn't from the Satanists, because the Satanists were even afraid to to come close to us. So they were keeping their distance from the other side. They had, you know, sneered, they smirked from the other side, but from the other side of the road. But the only aggression came from uh, this group of Protestants who, We caught them on 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 video conspiring with each other. You know, so they approach one group of satanists um, uh, who are pretending not to be satanists, but clearly
4: they're promoting satanism. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. I think, and something I think is worthy of discussion because. It's it's it, we kind of have this idea that um, we should try to, to work with people across the aisle, even if we don't agree on everything. And there's truth to that. We should work with people, especially the pro-life issue, working with whoever will fight with us. But when it comes to the spiritual battle, it really, if you're the, the Catholic faith, being the fullness of the faith, being the true church mm. and having the spiritual benefits, it's really the only way that you can really and truly fight against Satan. And I think it was demonstrated by your experience there. Share with me uh, how the Protestants reacted to uh, the Catholics being there.
7: There's a specific group of Protestants that they, they really got fed up with us, with our Hail Marys and our fathers. And so they started approaching us. They, they weren't content in pointing their megaphones and speakers at us, but they actually marched into our our group. So we were standing all in a group in, in one corner. So they started marching into us and, uh, one, their leader made a, uh, a right turn and made a beeline for the statue of our lady Fatima, uh, which we were holding up in a carrier. And so once I saw him make a, you know, look at her and he it didn't look like, it looked like he, he had bad intent intention. So I was holding a a huge poster of St. Michael's, so I stood right in front of him and he tried to push his way through me and stood my ground, says, not here. It's like he could go anywhere else, but not not closer to her. And clearly, uh, so it was confirmed, uh, the police came, forced him away from us because we have, you know, they were being very aggressive and they were in our space. So clearly they were forced away from us. And then from the other side, uh, you can hear them shouting with their megaphones, like, if I had a chance, I will, I don't know if I should say this in the radio, but I will destroy your statue. And, you know, but, but very graphic words, Wow. very, you know, crude words saying that they would destroy our idol and whatever, whatever else. And then saying bad things about Our Lady, you know, it's like, Our Lady was nobody. Wow. Uh, she was... She was the sandwich maker for Jesus. <gasps> That's all he loved. was She was the sandwich, and oh my goodness. we were, you know, on on our side. We've never seen so much hatred towards the Blessed Mother, not even from the Satanists, you know. But but seriously, this group of people, that, you know, co- clearly was conspiring with the with the crypto Satanists, standing inside saying, you know, the the Constitution defends Satanism. Uh, Satan has constitutional rights and everything. And our argument is. Evil has no right. So no matter how you do it, the Constitution does not permit absolute freedom to do absolutely everything. Actually, it has limitations. That's what the Constitution is about. It's like what the limitations are. So you cannot lie. You know, you cannot lie. It's like there are laws, you know, that will punish you if you lie. Like if you perjure in court or if you if you libel someone, um, if you sign a document wrong, you know, the, Those things are are punishable by law because you cannot lie. You can't murder. You cannot steal and so on and so forth, you know. And Satan is the symbol of, is the epitome of all the evil things that we prevent by law. Theft, murder, abortion, everything, you know, pedophilia, uh, all the sins are permitted under Satanism. Mm. And so we, we we reject Satanism, absolutely. There is no part of the Constitution that defends Satanism, because the Constitution can only defend what's right, what's just, and ultimately what's Christian.
4: Amen, amen. And it makes no sense to say, uh, you have freedom of religion, therefore you can support anti-religion. Uh, that makes no sense, exactly. because uh, so Satanism is the opposite of religion. It's the opposite of worship of God. It is the rejection of God. So it clearly makes zero sense to uh, to support this in favor of the other. Uh, but last uh, point, we have about a, a minute before we go. How can people get connected if they say, you know what, you convince me, Mr. Rex, I want to get involved with the uh, public square rosary rallies. I want to know what the TFP is up to. I want to be informed. Uh, where where can people connect with the TFP?
7: Well, the first thing I would suggest is uh, there's still a chance to sign the petition. To merit Hotel, uh, so that they will never host another satanic event again. Uh, so the America needs Fatima. So it's Our Lady Fatima. So America needs Fatima. That's just one word dot org. There is, so you can find a petition, uh, there that, you know, you can sign. It's already uh, approaching a second goal at 50,000. It's 42,988 people have signed a petition already. And so that means it's almost 50 about uh, forty two thousand emails that the hotel received uh from people, concerned individuals from around the world saying that they oppose they this type of event and they shouldn't
4: they shouldn't host it. Amen. So that's Amen. The, uh, so, that's, that's, so you, that's so you
7: a, can do it. Um
4: America uh, needs dot, org. dot org. America needs Fatima dot org and I recommend TFP dot org, and of course, uh the best place I think to see uh, what they're doing is YouTube. Follow them on YouTube. TFP Student Action on YouTube. Great stuff. But thank you, Mr. Rex, for joining us. God bless you and God love you. Thank you, Adrian. God bless. God bless. And that's going to do it for the first hour. I highly recommend following their YouTube channel. It's pretty epic. Uh, Very cool things they are involved in. Very Catholic things. I love it. Love to see it. Love to be involved. But that's going to do it for the first hour. Coming up, Blaze Pascal. Have you heard of this man? Dave Palmer's on to talk to us about him. Coming up in just one moment.
3: All my life, I was searching for something that seemed to be just one step away. Perfect soulmate, the ideal job, that big adventure. And just when I thought I found what I was missing... I realized that I was never really fulfilled. Then I discovered what I was searching for was really faith in God and belonging to a church. You can find what you've been searching for too. Come and see at catholicscomehome.com. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. If Jesus brought two of the greatest Old Testament saints to meet with three of the greatest New Testament saints at the Mount of Transfiguration, can you say with any assurance that they were not alive, aware, and able to communicate? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Luke 9 says, quote, Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Did you catch that? They were talking with Jesus. That means they have cognitive capability secondly heavenly friends those in heaven long for your prayer requests their intercession far exceeds your best friend's prayers here on earth sorry to say that and thirdly a pesky comeback well oral roberts university has the prayer tower tvn has a prayer department your home church probably has a prayer hotline well guess what heaven has a on demand pure unselfish prayer warriors known as the great cloud of witnesses they're waiting on you
5: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray a chaplet. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed the Chaplet of Divine Mercy daily? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network.
8: Spreading the splendor of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
2: Hi, I'm Amanda Smith, Assistant Principal at St. Elizabeth Ann's Eaton Catholic School, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
4: Back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. It was a great conversation we just wrapped up with Mr. Rev. Teodosio. He's a member of the American Society for Tradition, Family, and Property. It was uh, a telling us about the Satan Con. What went down? Very interesting story. I always find it fascinating. The every time there's like a a protest against Satanism, every single time I've noticed this. The Catholics come out in force and there's usually a small group of Protestants that also will come out, but without fail, the Protestants always end up turning on the Catholics and attacking the Catholics. Uh, It happens every single time. And ultimately I think Mr. Rex didn't say this, but I think that it's because they are not bounded by the sacraments and not having being fortified by the sacraments. So the, the father of lies whispers in their ears and like, Hey, why are you fighting those Satanists over there when you could be fighting those evil, evil Catholics? Um, they're the ones that are idol worshippers. Go, go attack them instead. And immediately they start turning and shouting and screaming at the Catholics and trying to disrupt the Catholics. Happens every single time that there is a there is a satanic uh, event. I've noticed that it's uh, very, very concerning. So let's pray for the TFP. Pray for the conversion of Protestants to the true faith and pray for an end to Satanism, Uh, so make sure you check them out. They just put out a video giving a a five-minute summary of uh, the entirety of SatanCon on their YouTube channel, Uh, TFP Student Action. Check it out. It's a great video. Uh, But joining us right now is the executive director of the Dallas-Fort Worth area uh, for the Guadalupe Radio Network, uh, Dave Palmer, Uh, and more importantly, he is the host to Back to the Father, talking about St. Thomas Aquinas. Good morning to you, Dave.
9: Good morning, Adrian. Good to be with you this morning.
4: Hi, praise be to God. It's good to have you on. Uh, we were just uh, talk, finishing up our conversation about uh, Satanism, and I thought it was a, uh, it was a great conversation. But um, another great conversation is about St. Thomas Aquinas, which happens every single Friday uh, with you. So tell me about what the topic is for Back to the Father today.
9: Well, we've we've kind of rebooted Back to the Father. Last week was our first uh, you know reboot show, and so we decided today to start from the beginning because we know we have a, a lot of new viewers, so we're going to talk about the first article of the Summa. Uh, you know, there's like 3,000 articles of the Summa. What, what did Thomas start off with, and why did he do it? And so we thought that might be a good way to, to start. And then also a review of the five proofs or the five ways how Thomas uh, proves through natural reason that uh, God exists. And the reason why we're doing that is because it ties in very much to the philosopher that we're going to talk about today, who is uh, Blaise Pascal, who was a 17th century French philosopher and mathematician and physicist and uh, an amazing guy overall. He was kind of a Renaissance man. uh, He he wasn't just uh, exceptional in one area, but in a lot of areas. And he didn't even live to be 40 but accomplished a lot in that short life.
4: Yeah. Blaise Pascal is one of my professors, uh, Dr. Rebard's favorite professors. He always talks about his, uh, Pon- ponces, I don't know. I always, I always said yeah. it pences because I'm American. But uh, i think it's, I think it's ponces. I think that's how you say it, or something, something like that. But uh, the, the yes, please, Pascal, incredibly, incredibly impressive man. And most people are probably more familiar with him due to uh, mathematics, and in reality, because he was uh, an amazing mathematician. But he, his books were ended up getting put on the index of forbidden books and uh do do you th- know why that is or why that might have been the case
9: yeah and you know there's there's two interesting things that he had in common with Saint Thomas Aquinas Adrian is that first of all he never finished the Ponce these were Uh, It was kind of like an apology for the Christian religion, and it was, you know, he lived a very short life, as I mentioned, and he was writing it. It was just a bunch of little, you know, thoughts here. In fact, pensée in in French translates into thoughts. That's the way it's been uh, translated into English. Uh, But he also, um, about, I think, approximately six, seven years before he died, he had an ecstatic vision of God. Well, he he claims is very, very much like what St. Thomas Aquinas had at the end of his life when he stopped writing the Summa. And so uh, Pascal stopped writing Fonce because he died. You know, of course, uh, Aquinas voluntarily stopped writing the Summa on his own volition. But anyways, to, get, to answer your question, he, he fell into a heresy called Jansenism. And Jansenism, I think it's very important for us to understand today because it was an overly rigorous interpretation of the Catholic faith. They, they wanted, I heard one theologian say they wanted four Lent's per year. They didn't think one was enough. They wanted four, 40 peri- uh, day periods of fasting and abstinence and they also were like overly augustinian like an over reliance on grace which you know sounds kind of contradictory because we we all have to rely entirely on grace but they to the to the detriment of free will where they were almost calvinist they they were you know of course uh, living not too far after the protestant reformation but had a lot of protestant leanings and you know interestingly adrian you know who was battling them Back then, on the side of the truth, who those was that? Were the big,
4: the Jesuits. Impossible! Was, Impossible, <laughs> Dave. You're you're twisting my arm over here.
9: Every every, I've done tons of research this week on uh, to Pascal. And every, in fact, Pascal had to battle the Jesuits because the Jesuits were trying to get him more in line with kind of the Thomistic middle way between free will and, and divine grace, you know? Uh, but yeah, that that that's the case. But so he, he, he was fell into Jansenism and that's why his books might've been banned mm. for a while by the church.
4: Yeah. That's a very interesting. And I think it's uh, I think it's interesting because the, it seems to me that Jansenism was not so much a heresy out of like malice against God, but instead it was a reaction to calvinism and they were trying to trying to balance things out say hey well calvinists aren't completely wrong this is kind of what they get right and they kind of went too far and became too calvinist themselves um, and it and it also seemed to be a love for like a, a rejection of the modernism that was creeping into the church at the time um, but they went too far and were like, No, therefore we have to have like you said, like four Lent's uh all, every day is Lent, um, so kind of attitude. So I I, I I'm I'm sympathetic to these these the, the the Jansenists there. But nonetheless, it is in fact a heresy. I believe uh there's like four major heresies that were condemned uh by Pope Innocent, if I'm not mistaken. I, I forgive it. Innocent Innocent
9: Attempt. Yeah. There you go, Innocent right, Attempt. Right. Uh
4: but in regards to Blaise Pascal though. 99.9% of the things he wrote, though, are really, really good, very solid material and worthy of reading. Even Paul Six actually quotes um, Blaise Pascal in one of his uh, letters. And so I think he, we should not reject him just because of that reason entirely, at least. Um, but tell me about what specifically you are going to be talking about in regards to Blaise Pascal.
9: Yeah, well, there's a couple of things. Uh, most people, if they hear Pascal, of course, he's he's like I said, famous for many ways. They they think he may have developed the first computer.
8: <laughs> no way. Had
9: like a, in fact, I'm going to show a picture of it uh, during the show today, since we are on social media sites. And of course he's famous for Pascal's wager and I don't know if I'll have had time now to get into that, but he, he was into the laws of probability. You know, he, he was doing all kinds of different things and so he developed a calculus of probability. And so one of the things that he wanted to do was say, okay, let, let's, let's, should we believe in God? Strictly on like a gamble. Okay? If it's if you're if you're on the fence and you strictly want to do it from like, is it a good gamble to believe in God? He he comes to the conclusion that yes, it is, because it has to do with the the finite pleasures that you might be able to enjoy even if God didn't exist and you know you live your life any way you want, as opposed to the infinite pleasure that one could enjoy if they believe in God. So it's, it's kind of an interesting approach, uh, you know, approaching the existence of God from, from like a, a gambling or probability standpoint. And then the other thing I want to talk about today is that you know, he lived in a very interesting, at the end of the Enlightenment. He was a contemporary of uh, Rene Descartes. And so he definitely did not see eye to eye with Des- Descartes. He didn't like the rationalist approach to, to faith. Uh, to to you know to 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 reason at the the opposed of uh, you know sense experience and what the, I think therefore I am so there's a lot to talk about with Blaise Pascal so we're we're gonna try to cram it all into one hour this afternoon.
4: Amen, amen, and I think uh, that's a very very uh, good because among the modern philosophers he's easily the most correct out of all of them. Um, but the the other interesting thing speaking of Pascal's wager I think it's a excellent thing because Typically, it's kind of um, misinterpreted, I think, a lot of times. I think uh, the, the thing to note about it is he's basically saying, look, all else things being equal, let's say you're like 50-50. You're 50 50 your are 50 percent chance that the Catholic faith is a true faith, 50% chance atheism is true. Well, all other things being equal, you should bet on the Catholic faith being the true faith. And he specifically because people will say, oh, well, then you have to do it for how do you know which religion he's specifically saying, like, you're not going into this blind. You have already done research. You've already tried to find the truth. And you're now at a crossroads. And now is when you use Pascal's wager. He's not saying, oh, you just do this for Buddhism, for Hinduism, for all these different things. He's not saying that. And I think it's important. But the fun thing is uh, Trent Horn, I think it was. I want to say it was Trent Horn. I may be attributing this to someone else. Created their own version of it for abortion. And they said, okay, well, you say you are a 50 50 chance. So maybe the baby is a human being, it's a life, or maybe it's just a clump of cells and it's not a human life. Well, all other things being equal, if there's a 50 50 chance, you might be right, you might be wrong, not sure. You should bet on it being a life because, worst case scenario, and if you guess that it's a life, then you just allowed a potential life to become a real life, so that's the worst possible outcome. But if it turns out it is a real life and you kill it, well, then you're a murderer. So that's the uh, the the Trentian wager, I think he called it. I, I want to say it was Trent Horn, uh, but uh, what do you think about that, Dave?
9: Yeah, it sounds like something Trent would do for sure. Uh, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, we all do that. You know, if somebody's going to get married or, or take a job, you you weigh the the pros and the cons, and if if I take it, you know, what, what's, what are the advantages, what are the, the possible disadvantages as to taking the other route? So Pascal's just saying, hey, you know, let, let's, let's apply this to God. And, and you're right, I, I don't think he's, this isn't the reason why he believes, but he was a mathematician, he was a numbers guy, he, he believed in you know, probability, he wrote on that, and so I think he just wanted to apply that uh, to belief in God. But yeah, I, I never really thought about how this could apply to a lot of the moral issues. In fact, I think we'll we'll bring that up. I'll do a little research on that and talk about that on the on the program today, if time allows.
4: There you go. There you go. I, I'm actively trying to shape Dave's show. That's the that's a secret <laughs> secret agenda of me having Dave on every Friday. Um, but executive you know, producer. <laughs> exactly. 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 Uh, the the other thing that is I find interesting about Blaze Pascal is a quote that um, that Dr. Rebar actually would share with us. He said. All the world's problems stem from the fact that man cannot sit alone in a room with himself. And I was like, oh, my goodness, that's so true. And, and that was true in his time. How much more true it is with our modern technology. Uh, what do you think, Dave? Yeah, he was,
9: you know, I, I talked last week about nihilism and how I, I didn't think Frederick Nietzsche was a nihilist. He had a lot of zeal for life, but just the temporal life. I would, I've heard Pascal described as an intellectual terrorist. <laughs> and, uh, which is kind of interesting, and also um, because he, the 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 point of that quote that you just said was that he believed that life here on Earth was, was just wretched, you know, and he he wanted to. Just say, you know, if if you just sit in the room by yourself and you're not filling yourself with a bunch of distractions, you're going to realize that life without God is absolutely wretched. And so, you know, the first part of the pensée is about the wretchedness of life without God. And many people say he was really literally trying to scare the, you know, the the heck, I'll just say, out out of people and saying, if you don't believe in God... You have to at least admit that this life is wretched, and you have nothing to live for if you're not living for uh, something eternal. And some people say that, wow, the first part of Pensei is so pessimistic, but he's, he's trying to point people to God and saying, hey, don't put all your eggs in this basket. This basket is very good.
4: Amen, amen. So check it out. Go to uh, YouTube, Facebook, across social media streams. It's at 1 p.m. back to the Father. Back to the Father. Check it out. Uh, make sure you tune in. But that's going to do it. God bless you, Dave. Thanks, you. And now we're going to go into our game show, Fear and Trembling. Today's the day we give out prizes. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Fear and Trembling coming up next. Ladies and
5: gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to share your Catholic faith with one another. Wouldn't it be great if everyone eagerly shared their faith? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio
3: Network. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. The book of Esther does not mention the words God, Lord, sin, Savior, salvation, heaven, or hell. Are you sure it's supposed to be in the Bible? Martin Luther said no. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a promise. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would guide the apostles into all truth. Those early church fathers, popes, bishops, synods, and councils were all under the influence of the Holy Spirit as they discerned which writing should or should not be in the Bible, and Esther was included. Secondly, for a writing to be understood as divinely inspired and worthy of canonicity it was not a necessity to contain any theological explanations and thirdly a tough comeback oftentimes we deceive ourselves by wanting to trust that very contemporary and subjective term called the inner witness our own arrogance can blind us the feeling of quote an inner witness is as dangerous as standing at the edge of a windy jagged cliff so on a religious feeling don't just immediately buy into passionate testimonies new truths or prophetic texts that four-letter word feel will get you every time Hey, Donnie, who was the first
5: pope to whom Jesus said, You are the rock upon which I will build my church?
1: St. Peter.
5: And who is the current pope?
1: Pope Francis.
5: As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on.
4: 877 757 877-757-9424, that's the number to call to be part of our game show Fear and Trembling where we give out prizes and you Could win. How do you win? It's very simple. All you have to do is dial 877 757 9424. And if you are the first caller, then you will be the contestant to play the game show Fear and Trembling. Now, you may be asking, what exactly is Fear and Trembling? So let me tell you, Fear and Trembling is a Catholic trivia game show where we give out prizes, but I don't ask you the trivia questions. No, instead, I'm going to ask. Tito, three Catholic trivia questions, and he's going to give me an answer, and it's going to be your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. You'll have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision on whether or not he is trying to trick you, and every right answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. And this week's prize is is a book by Carlo Broussard, his new book, The New Relativism, Unmasking the Philosophy of Today's Woke Moralist. It's an excellent book published by Catholic Answers Press. So thank you to Catholic Answers for sponsoring this week's prize. Uh, We are very grateful, and I know this book will be an excellent addition to anyone's uh, library there. Uh, But joining us right now is Morris. Good morning to you, Morris. Good morning. Morris, where are you calling from? Birmingham, Birmingham, Alabama. Praise be to God. That's amazing. Uh, we love to hear our callers from the Alabama area, the home of EWTN themselves. How do you like Alabama?
8: Oh, I love it. And your uh, big place is probably about five miles from me.
4: Oh, wow. That's amazing. Praise be to God. That's, uh, that's wonderful. You know, I've actually never been to EWTN studio.
8: Well, years ago I used to deliver there, but it's changed a lot since then.
4: I got to make my way over there. I got to get a trip out there because I would love to see it. And I've heard nothing but good things about it, but at some point I'll make it out there. And now Mr. uh Morris, the where do you go to church at? What's what's your local parish?
8: Well, Uh, I'm actually not a Catholic. I'm just listening to your show this
4: morning. Oh, well, praise be to God. Well, congratulations. You are listening to uh, the best show on Catholic radio, in my opinion. I'm not biased at all. Do not fact check me. Don't ask anyone else. Uh, But it's uh, 100% the case. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mr. Morris, uh, what, what religion are you part of? Well, I'm a Baptist. You're Baptist. All right. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in. I got to say, though, the questions on the board for today, these are not Baptist friendly. So you uh, will. But don't worry. It's a 50 50 chance of you getting the answer right. No matter what, because even if you don't know the answer at all, there is a 50 50 chance of you getting it right. Because all you have to do is guess whether or not Tito is right or wrong. Uh, So are you ready to play the game? I am ready. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Tito? Go.
1: Yes, I am ready. I'm ready, Morris.
4: I'm ready, Adrian. All right, let's do it. The first question. Which council of the church defined the doctrine of papal infallibility?
1: Oh, I thank you for a, a, a 20th century question or 19th century Council, I, I don't know that many councils, but this one I do. The first Vatican Council. The first Vatican Council? Yes.
4: There it, was a first? There was a first, I if thought, there was a second. I thought Vatican II was the only council. Oh, yeah. I'm confused. There are okay. dozens. Okay, okay. <laughs> so the first Vatican Council. All oh, right. yeah. All oh, right. Yes. All righty, Morris, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, which council defined the doctrine of papal infallibility? Tito seems to think it was the first Vatican council. Uh, What say you, Morris? I know this is a very Baptist-friendly question. So what say you, Morris?
8: (laughs) Well, he sounds awful sure, so I'll agree.
4: He's going to agree. You are correct, Morris. That good is, job, Morris. Fact, see who said Baptists don't know about the Catholic faith? They obviously <laughs> he he knew he knew the First Vatican Council defined the doctrine of papal infallibility in 1869. He knew that. He, he knew that. It. Very good, Morris. Praise be to God. You have gotten uh, your one for one so far. I'm ha- I have a feeling that this is going to be a threefer? Like, I'm looking at the questions that these are, like I said, not Baptist-friendly, but I have a feeling he's going to get a threefer. He's secretly a so. a scholar in Catholic uh, theology. I'm, I have a feeling that that's the case.
1: Probably went to Protestant seminary.
4: <laughs> he knows some of this stuff. There we go. There we go. All righty, Morris, are you ready for question number two? Yes, sir. Let's do it. Let's do it. Question numero dos. Now this one, Dos-y-dos. this question should actually... Be, he might know this one as yeah. a uh, as a Baptist. He knows his Bible, I'm sure. He's read Galatians, yep. I'm sure. So he would know the answer to this question. The question on the board is, is fortitude a gift of the Holy Spirit or a virtue?
1: Or a virtue, I didn't. <laughs> preparing. Or a virtue. Uh, well, I know it's a gift of the Holy Spirit, so it has to be a virtue. To fortitude, I, I always... I always say, I get, grant me the fortitude to get through the day every morning when I pray. So it's got to be. So I say uh, I, uh, both, both,
4: both. You're saying it's both. Yes. You're, you're going for a twofer. I'm going for a twofer. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go, Morris. The question on the board. Is fortitude a gift to the Holy Spirit or a virtue? 15 seconds on the clock. Well, Tito seems to think the answer is it's both. Adrian's trying to trick you. It's both. That's Tito's answer. Yeah. Uh, what say you, Morris? Is he right? Is he wrong? Do you know your virtues and have you read Galatians recently? That's the question, Morris. Uh, 15 seconds of the clock. What say you?
8: I'd say a gift of the Holy Spirit.
4: You're saying that it's just a gift of the Holy Spirit and not a virtue? Is that what you're saying? Okay,
8: if I say one, Will
4: I not get it right, or do I have to say both? So the uh, you have to let me know whether both, you think both. whether or not we'll you both. think Tito is right. So you're going to say both. I, I
8: said he was right.
4: All right. He says Tito is right. He there you go. It. You he got, got it. it. You got it. Wow. You nailed it. Don't you worry. That was good. Um, in fact, you're right. It is a gift of the Holy Ghost, but it is also a virtue, one of the four cardinal virtues. Uh, so there you go. It is both. I was trying to trick you, but uh, Tito... He knew. He knew it was both. So, way to go, Morris. You're a, you're in for two for two. I am Mike. I'm I'm blown away so He's far. He's on a rage. Morris, do you think you're gonna get three for?
8: Well, that's why I call. <laughs> All,
4: <laughs> All right, right. roll time. <laughs> there you I go. I do
8: enjoy your show.
4: Praise be to God. Praise be to God. I'm glad to hear it. Yes. Well, Morris, I I have a feeling this question though. I'm I'm gonna admit. I'm gonna admit it. This question might be the hardest question we've ever had in the history of Catholic Drive Time. So we're, we will see if you can get this question. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. The question on the board. The feast. This feast is on January 13th. Name that feast, Tito.
1: 13, 13, uh, the feast of Freddy, I mean, the feast of Frederick Kruger.
4: Of Frederick Kruger. Yeah. Interesting name. Yes. Very interesting. Be-
1: very ancient. Ancient uh, wow. by the Lake.
4: All uh, right. Feast, yeah. Well, you're saying, you're saying the Feast of St. Frederick Kruger. Yes. That name sounds very familiar to me. I don't know why. I don't know uh, why. All right. 13. All right, Morris. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. The question is, what is, uh, what feast is on January 13th? Uh, well, Tito seems to think it's the feast of Saint Frederick Kruger. What say you, Morris?
8: I said he is right. Not
4: Freddy Kruger, but Frederick. <laughs> Are you sure you want to go with? Uh, he's right. Uh, yeah. All right, he's gonna go. He, with he's going right. with it. He's going with it. Okay. Oh, Oh, no, it is, in fact, incorrect. Incorrect. Uh, Yeah, he's making a Freddy Cougar joke (laughs) (laughs) because the Friday the 13th, January 13th, Freddy Cougar. Uh, No, the correct answer is the baptism of our Lord. The baptism of our Lord happened uh, that would be January thirteenth. That's that feast day. But don't you worry, Morris. You got two out of three. I am very impressed. I, yeah. Honestly, that third question is pretty difficult. I'm not gonna lie. Not gonna lie. Especially, but yeah, don't you worry. We're putting in your name in the coffee cup of divine providence twice. Now Tito is gonna shake up the coffee cup of divine providence. We're gonna have a drum roll and he's going to draw a name right now. Your name might be drawn, so we shall see. We shall see. Uh, Any moment now, he's going to draw a name. And the winner is... Annette from the Monday show. Annette, praise be to God. Way to go, Annette. Congratulations. I am so sorry, Morris. It was not God's will that your name be drawn from the coffee cup of divine providence. But don't you worry, Morris. You can always call back in the future. We'd love to have you call back and play the game again. Uh, But, Morris, uh, when are you becoming Catholic?
8: Well, I I enjoy listening to the show, you know, that comes on in the uh, afternoon about... uh, Non-Catholics.
4: Uh-huh. Uh, absolutely.
8: I I enjoy that, too.
4: All right. Well, praise uh, sometimes to Sometimes
8: you hear some pretty interesting things, but uh, I'm 66. By the way, today's my birthday. Happy, Happy
4: birthday. birthday! Praise me yeah. to God. Happy birthday to you. 66. What a great I'm year. I'm pretty sure that
8: unless something happens drastically, I probably won't be becoming one right now.
4: All right. Well, we'll be praying for you. We'll be praying that you come home to the Catholic faith. We'd love to have you, uh, a man of your brilliance, getting all these questions right. Uh, We would be uh, delighted and blessed to have you as a member. Uh, So, God bless you, Morris. Thank you for calling in. Feel free to call back anytime. We love it. And God bless you. God love you. Have a blessed day.
8: Thank you. Same to you. Bye
4: bye. Adios. And that's gonna do it for today. Uh, the That's going to do it for the first hour, or second hour of Catholic Drive Time, rather, the radio side, anyway. If you want to join us in the after show, feel free to hop on YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey. Uh, you can find us there, Facebook, all these platforms, and we'd love to interact with you directly. Uh, there's a, one other story I wanted to share with y'all, and so we'll see if we get to it during the after show. But we're going to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. So tune in, hop on with us. We'd love to have you. But if not, we'll see you back Monday morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. And remember, Christ is risen. Alleluia, alleluia. Thank you for
3: joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired.
7: Guadalupe Radio
5: Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the Chapel at Our Lady of
4: Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas.
0: Welcome to Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel, home of the Soul community. For more information, please visit sold.net. Today we celebrate... Friday of the fourth week of Easter. This Mass is offered for the intentions of our online viewers and all those joining us through Guadalupe Radio Media. You have redeemed us, Lord, by your blood from every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us into a kingdom priests for our God. Alleluia. You have redeemed us, Lord, by your blood From every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us into a kingdom priests for our God. Alleluia. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. As this Easter season continues, we continue to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. And on this first Friday of the month of May, we remember the infinite love of his most sacred heart. Brethren, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, Lord, have mercy. mercy. Let us pray. O God, author of our freedom and of our salvation, listen to the voice of our pleading and grant that those you have redeemed by the shedding of your Son's blood may have life through you. And under your protection,
6: A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. When Paul came to Antioch in Pisidia, he said in the synagogue, My brothers, children of the family of Abraham, and those others among you who are God-fearing, to us this word of salvation has been sent. The inhabitants of Jerusalem and their leaders failed to recognize him, and by condemning him they fulfilled the oracles of the prophets that are read Sabbath after Sabbath. For even though they found no grounds for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him put to death. And when they had accomplished all that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and placed him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. These are now his witnesses before the people. We ourselves are proclaiming this good news to you, that what God promised our fathers, he has brought to fulfillment for us, their children, by raising up Jesus, as is written in the second psalm. You are my son, this day I have begotten you. The word of the Lord. You are my son, this day I have begotten you.
0: You are my son, this day I have begotten you.
6: I myself have set up my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. The Lord said to me, You are my son, this day I have begotten you.
0: You are my son, this day I I have begotten you.
6: Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for an inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall rule them with an iron rod. You shall shatter them like an earthen dish.
0: You are my son. This This day day I have have begotten begotten you.
6: And now, O kings, give heed. Take warning, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice before him. With trembling, rejoice.
0: You are my son. This
6: This day day I I have begotten begotten you.
0: Alleluia, 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 I am the way, and the truth, and the life, says the Lord. No one comes to the Father except through me. Alleluia. Alleluia alleluia. The Lord be with you a reading from the Holy Gospel according to John Jesus said to his disciples Do not let your hearts be troubled You have faith in God have faith also in me in my father's house there are many dwelling places if there were not would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come back again and take you to myself so that where I am you also may be where I am going you know the way Thomas said to him master we do not know where you are going how can we know the way Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Gospel of the Lord. In our first reading from the book of Acts, We're hearing from St. Paul's first missionary journey. It is about the year 47 A.D., and he is in what we would call south-central Turkey. And so we hear another part, as we heard yesterday, the first part, there in Antioch and Pisidia. And we hear that he is proclaiming Jesus. Jesus. As Bishop Barron said, when Paul went and brought his message to people, he didn't go into a town and say, Hey, I'd like to tell you about a dead rabbi that I found very inspiring. No, he proclaimed what we proclaim in this Easter season. He proclaimed resurrection. This is one who has conquered death and begun the new creation. And we hear the power of his words. Now, what he says today, we'll see, he couldn't say to everyone because here he's speaking to his fellow Jews, whereas on come Monday we're going to hear him speaking to pure pagans who know nothing of the true God or of salvation history. And then a week later he'll be to the pagan philosophers in Athens. But here he's speaking to his fellow Jews as we can recall certain things that they know well. So as he is proclaiming with this force our Lord Jesus and his resurrection from the dead, a couple things we should notice. One of them is he reminds people, he tells them about how Jesus, himself, his life, events in his life fulfilled prophecy. And thus we hear him make, make reference to what God promised our fathers. And he makes reference to the oracles of the prophets and how when they'd accomplished all that was written about him, thus emphasizing three different times in this passage that what the Lord spoke earlier through the prophets was then fulfilled in the life and ministry of the events of Jesus. We know that's important to everyone for discovering the truth about Jesus. And once they begin to learn, as even the pagans could learn, once they learn about those prophecies, that's important to discover, wait, it isn't just these things occurred in Jesus' life, but they actually matched up with things that had been spoken and written centuries even millennia earlier this is no accident this is intention this is fulfillment a second thing that saint paul says is he talks about being witnesses that is that those he and others the apostles those who had seen themselves jesus risen from the dead had seen him had touched him had spoken with him that they now announce this news we have seen this and we're telling you we're witnesses now you and i especially if we're thinking of passing on this news to others might think of these two points do we ourselves know about those prophecies are we able to mention them so that people can hear also through us how jesus fulfilled the prophecies and are you and i re- witnesses to the resurrected christ Not in the same way the apostles were, but in a different way. Have you and I experienced Christ working through prayer? Christ being with us? Christ speaking through the scriptures? Have we experienced him really present in the Eucharist? Being with us, giving himself to us as spiritual food? Have you and I experienced this so that we can say in our own way, I am a witness. I have experienced this. I know he is risen and present. And I say this to you. In the Gospel reading our Lord Jesus is speaking during the Last Supper and as we'll be hearing during these final weeks of the Easter season as he goes through this He's speaking in two ways. First of all, he's speaking because he's right about to head into his passion and death So he's speaking to that period before he rises But He's also speaking of the time after his ascension thus to the time we're in now And he says where I'm going you know the way which prompts Thomas to ask the dumb but obvious question, Master, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And very much in keeping with St. Paul's great proclamation, we know that Jesus does not say, you know, I have discovered a truth and I'd like to communicate it to you. You know, I found a way to live and I'd like to show it to you. If he were to say that, he would be like the other religious leaders or political or cultural leaders through time who in proper humility have discovered certain things and want to share it with others but Jesus is not merely one of those He does not just say I want to teach you a truth I want to show you a way he says I am the way I am the truth I am the life because while he is true man he is much more than that he is the only begotten Son of the Father begotten before all ages, from all eternity, He has been the Son of the Father. And so when He becomes man, and when He reveals what He knows in His infinite knowledge, and when He experiences and lives out that, that one-of-a-kind relationship with the Father, and when He sh- then shares it with us, this is something that no one else, no human being could possibly do. Only Him. Only Him. No one else, whatever goodness or truth partially they've discovered, no one can do what He does. No one comes to the Father except through Him. And so He offers us what no one else can offer. He offers us a dwelling place in the Father's house. And that speaks of eternal life, yes, in the future, but also now, now Or we may see that as in a way speaking to our own hearts now, our relationship now. He offers it to us, one of a kind, in a way that only He can offer. For He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. Brothers and sisters, let us pray to God the Father, the source of all life and origin of all good, asking him to have mercy upon the whole human family. For those who during this Easter season have been or will be incorporated into the church through baptism, for those who have been more fully grafted into her by confirmation or first Holy Communion, that they may live in accord with the sacraments in which they share, let us pray to the Lord. for those who work in the advancement of science and technology, and for those who hold in their hands the riches or power of the world, that they may place in the service of others their power, progress, and achievements. Let us pray to the Lord. For unbelievers and sinners, for those who have lost hope or who doubt their faith, for those who are afraid of loneliness or death, that they may find in the gospel the strength and help they need, Let us pray to the Lord. For ourselves and for our relatives and friends, that Christ the Lord, who willed to suffer the martyrdom of the cross to save us, may turn our sorrow and suffering into joy. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord Jesus, who after the resurrection manifested yourself to your disciples and so gave them happiness and peace, we ask that you hear our prayer and give us the joy of seeing our petitions answered, who live and reign immortal and glorious forever and ever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. For through your goodness, we have received the wine we offer you, the fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Accept in compassion, Lord, we pray, the offerings of your family, that under your protective care they may never lose what they have received, but attain the gifts that are eternal through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, at all times to acclaim you, O Lord, But in this time, above all, to laud you yet more gloriously when Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed. He never ceases to offer himself for us, but defends us and ever pleads our cause before you. He is the sacrificial victim who dies no more, the lamb once slain who lives forever. Therefore, overcome with paschal joy, every land, every people exults in your praise and even the heavenly powers with the angelic hosts sing together the unending hymn of your glory as they acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Degus Sabaot Plenis Uncele Eterna Gloria Tua Hosanna in excelsis Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in of sicis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall the mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you've held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray, the partaking of the body and blood of Christ— All glory and honor is yours forever and ever. At the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Quit all peccata mundi, me said, no hobis. On you Quit mundi, me said, no hobis. On you Quit mundi. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. But only say the word, and my soul shall be healed.
6: For those who are unable to receive our Lord's sacramentally and holy communion at this time, we invite you to pray an act of spiritual communion.
0: The body of Christ. The body of Christ. Christ our Lord was handed over for our transgressions and was raised again for our justification. Alleluia. our Lord was handed over for our transgressions and was raised again for our justification. Alleluia. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning is now and will be forever. Amen. Christ, our Lord, was handed over for our transgressions and was raised again for our justification. Alleluia. Let us pray. Keep safe, O Lord, we pray, those whom you have saved by your kindness. That redeemed by the passion of your Son, they may rejoice in his resurrection, who lives and reigns forever and ever. The Lord be with you. Now, mighty God bless you.
7: The Prayer to Saint Michael, Saint Michael the Archangel.
8: celebrating the culture of life this is the guadalupe radio network radio for your soul
2: hi i'm joan smith from saint elizabeth and seton catholic community you're listening to am 1430 kshj houston part of the guadalupe radio network radio for your soul